Good evening and welcome to the latest instalment of the Rangers Women Supporters Group podcast. Today I'm joined by Alan, Carr and Graham is joining us. Welcome. How are you all doing? Good day. Cold. Good day. Windy and cold. Yeah. Special morning. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Right, so we're going to, this is going to be a wee bit different tonight. We're going to do a wee international roundup because we've had quite a few players away. And then we've had some questions in, so we'll discuss them and see where it takes us. So first up, Alan and I went to the Scotland 19s game against Hungary, which was quite good for our players because we got a couple of goals, a couple of assists. The team start, that started was Easton, Noble, Finney, Weiring, Greenwood, McCauley, Jardin, McCleary, who was captain, Austin, Forrest and Goldie. And then we obviously had other players of um, Clark, Berry, Ferguson on the bench, Lucy Inman. I think Lucy Inman was the only one that never got any minutes, but considering she's not at Queen's Park either, that's why we know the most surprising thing. But what did you make of the game, Alan? That was your first experience at the kind of younger level, so... Yeah, that was my first time watching the nineteens, uh, or first time seeing a few of those players. So I was impressed, you know, uh, it was good to see so many of our players play. Four four started and our three came off the bench. And it was great to see but more or less our this our setting line, the forwards, more all three Rangers. So we saw a lot of good link up play. Selfishly looking at it from a Rangers point of view, it's it's great to see. Uh, Keller Jardin done really well as a number 10, obviously made Jodie's goal. Arguably Jodie was a quieter of, of the three, but she's got any great positions at back post and one of them ended up in a goal. And obviously into the second half, Ellie Austin channeled our Rachel McLaughlin and scored an absolute screamer, which I've still not been able to find highlights on Twitter or YouTube yet. Uh, it's disappointing that there wasn't any highlights, Car, because you you would really want to see that goal back. But are you surprised that Jodie being captain? Or I like she's had the captain's armband before, so maybe no as surprising, but good experience for her. Aye, I think when they were away last year, I can't mind who they were playing, but they were away and she was captain one of the games, and I think Kirsty McLean was captain one of the other games. So I think it's good for her. It shows like she's obviously a, a leader on the pitch and scoring a goal which is always nice for Jodie because she's not done that as much recently she has been doing it more but kind of last season she wasn't doing it so much but just great experience for all of them and I think it won't be long before they'll likely be called up to the senior squad with Kirsty McLean because that's just how good they are. Jodie McCleary is incredible we know we all love Lauren Berry and Mia McCauley and Mason Clark and all of them so good for all of them to get some minutes especially after you know the Montrose game where Mason didn't get any minutes so nice for her and her family for her to get some time as well and uh, she done really well to be honest so just if Joe or that could actually watch the highlights they would see that she kind of deserves more minutes for us but are you surprised Graham obviously it was Jodie assisted by uh, Kayla Jardin and then Ailey scored assisted by Mia McCauley so very strong Rangers showing are you surprised by that or are you quite expected it because of how they've been playing this season? I think just for the way they've been playing this year. So they've all been they've got a great chemistry between each other. Plus obviously they've came through the ranks as you guys have said as well. So they've already got a good understanding. They know how each other work, how each other play. So it's actually really good to see that coming off on an international level. Because overall doing it domestically, but doing it to the next level and they're just a little, it will do them good in the long run for their game to improve going forward as well. And that's, as you say, good for Joe coming back when they come back from internationals. It's only going to get better for them going forward as well. And hopefully they can take it into the rest of the the, the, the next block of window before the, the next international break. Yeah, and it's good to see as well, Alan, that there's that kind of pathway as well, because obviously Carson last time Kirsty McLean was in, but now she's like in the first team, well, in this first team squad. She's never got to play the other night, but there's a pathway there that they can see that they can get kind of like into the first team eventually. And now there's obviously the under 23s as well that they can move up to. Yeah, 
Oh, it's definitely encouraging for girls knowing that if they're going to play well, they're going to be noticed. And obviously some of the players that we saw with the 19s I've not seen play before. You know, I was impressed by some of the, the other players who, who don't play for Rangers. You know, Megan Wearing especially was a standout at the back, led the line really well at the back. You know, worth watching. Ava Easton will be our first pick for Glasgow City in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure. Alone at Partick this year, the, the world are good, but... Justin McLean's definitely the the sort of standard bearer for how all the girls are going to want to perform and, and follow in the footsteps of. Definitely. So they play again against Hungary on Tuesday at one o'clock. So if you're off and you can get to Ainsley Park, definitely go to that one. I think you and Alan are going to that one, Cash. That we right? are indeed, yeah. I'm looking forward to that full day of uh, Scottish... Women's football, what's more, what more could you ask for? Well, it, was, it was certainly enjoyable the other day, so <laughs> hopefully, the same, hopefully, a better result for the, the main team, though, for you. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Talking of that, we'll move on to the Scotland women's team. We obviously played England down in Sunderland. We made the trek down for it, but it's actually a very good game. So it started with <clears throat> uh, Gibson and Goals, Doherty, Corsi, Howard. Kerr, Ken, that Sam Kerr. It's no bad. Carly Weir, uh, Hansen, McLaughlin, Emsley, Thompson, Grimshaw. Obviously, the only two players we really had playing was Doherty and McLaughlin, but it was good to see uh, Rachel actually being in the team, Graham, because we were worried after that knock that she'd had at the weekend. Well, absolutely, and she had a brilliant game as well, as did the whole team, but uh, you were kind of rolling eggshells, I think, oh no, it's all right. Thankfully, as you say, as soon as the team sheet came out, it was like, oh, that's such a relief. You know, she's obviously just been nothing, it's been nothing too major. So, yeah, but her and Nicola were brilliant on, on Friday night. Definitely. So, what did you make of the team, Alan? Were you quite happy with it? Yeah, I've not been overly familiar with some of the players. I, I don't think I'll. I was too surprised uh, the way the team team lined up. Uh, the first half, I thought, we stood off England a, a bit too much. I would have liked to see us go and engage with him a bit more. And we, we saw a difference that made in the second half. Certainly wasn't England's best performance, but you know that was partly down to how Scotland played. So we had a couple of chances. Carl we had a couple of penalty incidents. What did you make of the penalty incidents? I'm still raging about it, to be honest. Right, listen, I know it's a physical sport and I know that there's contact allowed, but you can't even go around barging, bulldozing people in the box and nothing happening about it. And the commentators what really annoyed me about that when they were saying, oh, there is contact there, but I don't know if there's enough for a penalty. She steamrolls her from the back. Like, it absolutely should have been a penalty, but I think the ref was a bit... Because there's no VAR, there was nothing like that in effect. So I think because they disallowed their earlier goal, which in my view wasn't offside because she didn't interfere with the play. I understand she was offside, but she didn't touch the ball or anything. So in my eyes, the goal should have stood. So maybe the ref was like, oh, well, we'll just we'll leave that. But, I mean, it's just it's rubbish, isn't it? You, you want it to be a fair fight, essentially. And we gave it to them in the second half. We were all over them, and we should have really done better. That Rachel McLaughlin kind of volley over that then, I don't know, was it Martha? I don't know who it was that tucked in and hit the, the crossbar, but it was just, we really gave them a game, which I don't think they were expecting, because the last time we played them, like, well, I can't remember how long ago that was, but they just world-class compared to us, and we've definitely improved a hell of a lot since then. So it's it's encouraging to see, and hopefully now we can kick on and beat the other teams in the group. And then when it comes back around to playing them at home, we'll have a lot of confidence going into that game and just win. Well, the topic of VAR, Graham, because I know you like it. Why is it not in the Women's Nation League? Do you know? I genuinely don't know. Um, it's in other competitions, as we've seen at the World Cup, and it, it worked really, really well in that competition. Why it's in the UEFA, why it's not in the UEFA Nations League is baffling. 
I don't know because, as Carr said, those if that was the case, those two incidents would have been penalties for sure, and everybody who's watching it, seeing it, seeing those were penalties, um, and we wouldn't have had this, you know, for the uh, Daly's first goal as well. Yeah, it was marginally offside, fair enough, but those two penalties were definite penalties, and the VAR to pick that up, and yeah. I've been calling for VAR in the women's game for a long time because that's exactly why, because England get away with it. And I don't know why we were so unlucky not to at least get a point out of that game, minimum. I thought we deserved at least a point. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. It's certainly bizarre, though, Alan, when this, I think, staying in the kind of top league and that could kind of decide our Euro. Like for qualifying and that, so it's kind of surprising that they didn't have VER and when it's in, as Graham says, most other competitions. So, but yeah, weird one. I don't know if it's just be- because not enough team or countries are playing a sort of venue that can handle what's needed for VER. I don't know if it's as down to resources. Uh, and in this sort of group, I think all all the countries involved in this group should be able to facilitate that, no bother. But my assumption is it's probably down to resources. As always, as always. Mm. So then, obviously, England did have a couple of goals. Car, they were pretty much similar to each other, across in, headed, then they scored. It was just something that could, I think Nick maybe made a mistake at one point and kind of let them pass that and but you'd think after the first one they would be able to deal with the second one a, a bit better rather than just letting them have that much space in the box. And as Alan and I kept saying throughout the game, they're just not shutting them down quicker up. They were showing them like too much respect. And obviously they're European champions and World Cup finalists, but still you just need to get stuck in. And like what we've done in the second half, if we'd done that in the first half, it could have been totally different. Yeah, I mean, I think Nick overall had a good game, but there was some kind of moments where I was kind of shouting, like, just go and run at her and go and chase her down, stop her getting past you. And I think it was, was it Lucy Braun's first goal that she kind of skips past her and then it's in. But some of these players that play for England, you know, they play at the highest level. They're going to be a bit quicker, a bit sharper. They've got more resources and money pumped into them than we do. But there was moments where we could have done a lot better. But I don't know if that's just down to Scotland just kind of now clicking and just I don't know what's happened over the last kind of six months, I'd say, where we've just suddenly realised that we're actually quite good at, as a team and we can actually go and play a good, decent game of football. So hopefully that will just kick them on now. But there is moments where we could have done a bit better. But I was kind of disappointed when Rachel was taken off for Fiona Brown. But probably good with her just coming back from a slight injury that she gets a wee bit of a rest. Well, it was like 88 minutes in, so... I know, but <laughs> I expect her to play the full game. Most of much, most of much rest. <laughs> but, uh, I we, we played well. It was, we should have got sad for the game, but obviously we didn't. I think one thing that was really impressive, though, was the, the crowd. It was over 41,000 people there, and... That was one of the best atmospheres I've certainly experienced women's football, football in general, to be honest. But that makes a big difference, Graham. Absolutely. And it sounded great in the TV as well, um, from what we could hear. But also it's great to see the follow-on for the World Cup that, you know, the crowds, that's just what you wanted from the World Cup is for the crowds to get what you saw to worldwide. And the fact that it's starting to happen now is brilliant. And I know, I know the WSL is very popular in England as it is anyway. But it's great to see that that's now becoming a norm. And if that can be, if we can replicate that in Scotland somehow, and I don't know how you do it, but it's there. The appetite's there. The, the, the fans are there. It's just getting people aware of it and getting aware of when the games are on and things like that. And I think we could get those crowds in Scotland that would just be brilliant. Any ideas on how we can get the kind of crowds, Alan? It's just a, a work in progress. You know, we've got to make sure the games are competitive, you know, our teams are, are, are growing, you know. I think we spoke, the, we've seen their attendances slowly rising, you know. 
they seem to be rising a wee bit across the league. And it's very, very small rises, but, you know, it's going to start with small rises. England have done really well by taking these international games around the country and not just sticking them all in London, which makes it harder for people to get around the country. But going up to Sunderland, they've played games in Manchester. I'm sure they'll be playing games in Birmingham and the like. You know, that's making a difference to making it more accessible to more people. I think we need to just continue promoting it as best we can, make sure the accessibility for it is good. You know, it's easy to get tickets. The tickets are priced well. And just encouraging people to go along and condition them to go and enjoy watching women's football and seeing it being competitive. Definitely. So we, we kind of had the game up in Dundee, card, so we kind of done the same as what England have done and tried to give them an opportunity to go. And it was a decent, fairly healthy crowd, considering it was up in Dundee. So what do you think of the games that, for like increasing our attendances, do you think Hamden's the best place? Or do you think we could maybe move to other grounds, like maybe Tynecastle, Easter Road, to kind of get stadiums packed to kind of get that atmosphere like what we had the other night yeah I think it did help having it in a kind of smaller stadium because then not everybody's just so spread out I will say that I think the appetite is there because I'd seen a tweet the other day I can't remember what club it was but it was like a girls academy club I tweeted saying they'd been given I think it was 30 free tickets for their club but they were looking for an additional 60 because that many of the kids wanted to go so there's definitely an appetite there for it. We, and I think the kids are the way to go with it. You get them hooked and then they'll force their parents to take them along to whatever team they support, women's team. You know, and I think that will help. But I think it's just going to take time because I think you said to me the other day, Scottish football just hates itself sometimes and it just doesn't want to expand it and improve whether it be women's or, you know, B teams or whatever it is. They just seem to want to be, oh, well, that'll do, that's fine, that's enough, rather than trying to venture out and really capitalise on the rise in popularity of women's football at the moment. But I think we will get there. I think it's going to take a, a few years yet, but I think if we go on and play well and potentially, saying win things, but realistically, you know, like within the realms of going quite far into competitions, qualifying for World Cups or Euros or whatever it'll be, I think that'll get more people in attendance. You've seen that happen with the men's team. Look at small crowds were in the recent years and now they started playing well again they're fully full houses so i think it will help if we start to do well and encourage more people to go along but just needs to keep shouting from the hills it's on come along it's cheap like bring the wings like come on <laughs> it's a good night <laughs> and as we've spoken about Graham, before graham like between the four years it's about the kind of making the moments especially for kids to get them hooked in like win a big game or have a good atmosphere like the other night and then it gets them kind of addicted to it and wanting to follow the team. That's it. And we, we've all been part of it as well. Like, you, you, as soon as you, you know, see a game and you, whether win, lose or draw, you can get hooked in right away. And as you, as you said, like, mum or whatever, can I go, can I go? And then the next thing, then the parents go and then, and then it becomes, that's you for life for that team, whether it's national, domestic, whatever it is. But if you're still, if you're constantly, we've seen it with Harps and Hibs, they've gave away, what was it, 10,000 tickets or something. I think Harps and 8,000 with Hibs. Yeah, they filled it and broke records. But then the next week, the crowds went back down to like 800. So if you're constantly giving away free tickets, that's great to start with, but it's not sustainable. And you want them to come back and say, you know what, I'll happily pay that, whatever the price is, or do a deal. Say a kid and an adult, ticket give them a discount so that it's not expensive for the the make it a, a family just like it is at the games just now make it a family thing to write two adults and a couple of kids give it a discount and that might help you know because obviously we've got the cost of living crisis and things just now that that could help families um so you know what that's that's quite a cheap deal it's cheaper than going to the cinema or something like that it could be i don't know that's just an idea <laughs> Uh, well, Scotland have got the match package, which I think is still available for uh, Belgium, Netherlands and England, that I think is still available. And obviously you can also buy the 
individual tickets. I'm not on commission, but it's a good thing to go along for it. But if they want to give me commission, I'll take it. But so, so we're, they, we're at Hamden on Tuesday. We play Belgium, 7.45 kickoff, which maybe isn't too ideal for kids going. But we've been before, there's always kids there and they're making loads of noise and that. So definitely get along if you can. We want a... The next game with Iceland played Wales. Obviously, we had Rachel Rowe in the lineup. No, she wasn't in the lineup. She was on the bench because she's been it. But she came on and played 30 minutes. Alan, surprised or not surprised? It was hard to know where we should be surprised or not because we've talked pretty much every week about the secrecy for the club, about progress on injuries. So we don't know what our injury was. You know, we, we never knew how far away from fitness she was. But we saw her getting called up. And the most surprising thing after being called up was that she wasn't in a squad and involved at Montrose. Thought having been called up, she would have maybe been at least back involved. Even if it's maybe not even getting off the bench, but at least part of the squad. But it's good that she's come on, got minutes under her belt. You know, Rachel Rowe, I'd expect will be an important player for us this season. So, want to see her get, get Manix. Hopefully, she'll get some Manix on Tuesday and then come back ready to go when we go back to Hearts next week. Yep, they play Tuesday as well. They play Denmark and Cardiff, so not too far for it to travel. So, hopefully, she gets some more minutes there. Next game, we had Megan away to Ireland, with Northern Ireland, unfortunately. Ireland lost, but Megan was on the bench, so hopefully it didn't affect her too much. Car, were you surprised that she never got on? We watched it and they could have used Megan, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't a great game. They were kind of a bit all over the place. Just passing wasn't great. Defending was kind of shocking at times. It was just, it wasn't a great game, but I was a bit surprised that they didn't bring Megan on because she's usually kind of like the poster child of Northern Ireland women's football. She's normally the one that's first on the team sheet beside Demi Vance. So I was a bit surprised that she didn't come on. But I suppose in a way it's probably good. Just keep her on the bench, keep her fit. Doesn't really matter so long as she comes back to us fully fit and a bit of fire in her belly to go on and, you know, hopefully score some goals for us and prove everyone wrong. I don't think there's any doubt that Megan Bell wouldn't have a fire in her belly, to be honest. They play Albania on Tuesday, southern team here. But lastly, we had Vicka Wee Graham. Uh, she was she started in goals against Chile, but they lost to Dina as well. So we'll probably have Jenna in goals for against her. Well, she could have an absolute outstanding game of her life on Tuesday against Chile in the reverse leg. You never know, and she might have a clean sheet and New Zealand score about 10 goals. <laughs> So good for her to get minutes at least, but obviously not so good that she lost the goals. But hey ho, as I said, play Chile again, and that's a kind of roundup for that. We had for Rangers a documentary on Margaret McCauley, um, who's former Scotland captain, first of our captain of the Scotland women's team, I believe. Aye. Uh, she's obviously been helping Tess with her uni worker dissertation that Tess seems to have been taking about 500 years to do, but it was good to see that kind of connection with her and Tess and her and kind of talking to the players and obviously Joe and that. Alan. It was a good wee documentary. Did you manage to see it? Yeah, I've watched the documentary Club Done and I've also read about it. It was in today's Match Day programme at Ibrox. You know, so we've seen seen lots of publicity on that. You know, Margaret McCall is obviously a lifelong Rangers fan and been able to go in and see the opportunities that the the players all have now. You know, it's been been great for her, but it's been great for the club to sort of recognise all the people that have sort of went went before and helped in and this whole build the, the women's game in Scotland. What did you think of Cash? Mate, it was it was it was funny, wasn't it? it was like the way she was bantering with Kathy and uh, Nick and that, and she was just you know a firecracker. And I noticed somebody had tweeted underneath the tweet on oh, my wee seat buddies. So she's obviously like at Ibrox every week, and 
you know, it's just class to see that somebody that's a pioneer in the women's game is, you know, one of us, which is always nice to see. You, you like to see that. Um, but it was just a really good documentary. And I will say that Tess is a real credit to her club. So the, the amount that she's done for the museum, she helped Joel with a lot of stuff for the museum, doing like research and stuff. And even stuff like that when she's at the, the Hampden Museum and stuff to do with like Scottish women's football, she's really into the history of it all and really loves all that kind of stuff. So I think it's really nice of her to set that up and get the club involved with that and bring her along and Hopefully Tess will take another 10 years doing her dissertation and she can just stay here and just finish it off because we don't want her to ever leave because she really is a credit to herself and to the club because she's just just so incredible when it comes to that kind of stuff. She's also a very good footballer, but that other side of her is really good too. Just an all-round good human being, to be honest. Touching on the museum then, Graham, you've been, I think you've been the most recent at ALS. What did you make of the Rangers Museum? I thought it was absolutely brilliant and you know from the minute you walk in you're just in absolute awe of the of everything that's there but I thought the the women's bit was amazing as well just bef- uh, I think it's just after the, the things for all the European teams that have gave Rangers stuff over the years just after that um, and I just thought wow you know like when you see I think the trophies there isn't it the the one the 21 22 one um, I think there's a signed top and things like that, but it really is amazing. And if you've not been yet, I would highly recommend it. You know, it's absolutely brilliant. But take your time. Don't rush. Read, read or hear or watch videos and things like that, because give yourself a bit, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. It took it took me about that time, and I would say just soak it all in, everything. But it's absolutely brilliant. Yep, ah, uh, there's something that's newer to the women's team did it kind of give you a good kind of understanding of what's came before the players now oh definitely you know I've I've been new to the women's game in Scotland from from last year you know that museum piece definitely helped me sort of fill in some blanks and build on my knowledge of what I already knew and I'll do the same for anybody that's got a passing interest in it even people who haven't previously had an interest in it might find find it interesting. Some of the challenges people faced, you know, a, a lot of the the stuff on it is is great information. You know, our Nick Doc has obviously got a piece in, in the video that's in the museum. Tess is in in there. You know, there's there's, there's bits showing Bro how long Brogan's been with the club and playing for the club, and the origins of having a women's team. And even the changing terminology, you know, changing from, you know, Rangers ladies to Rangers women, you know, has has been been a, a step forward for the club. Where did you make it, Car? I mean, I've not been yet. I've seen a lot online and yeah, it actually does look like really class but I'll, you can minus 10 staunch points from me because I've not been yet because anytime I go to the game I'm running like late 90% of the time because I can't get parked so I'm just in Ibrox and out and like I don't really have time to stop and do it but it looks good from what I've seen online and it, I do really appreciate how much they put into the women's team in it because they could have really glossed over that and just really focused on what the men have achieved. So I really do appreciate that they've put so much detail and thought into what's in the, the women's section of it. And hopefully we'll just expand that and keep adding to that as we win more trophies. Well, if I've not done justice to it, you go along and see it and it's probably better than we've just described it. So. Oh, well. <laughs> You're still in for a treat. I think as well, Graham, there's, I don't know if you noticed the wee photo booth thing and it's got the women's players and that on it. I noticed yeah. when the men's team were in recently seeing the museum, a lot of them were picking Kirsty Howitt as their new picture thing, so she's certainly popular. Absolutely, aye. And, you know, that, that bit is quite funny as well. You know, you, you should do it and get a wee laugh, you know, but just watch. If you put, if you go in, you, you press that button to confirm your photo, you have to pay for it, you know, so... <laughs> Take a take a selfie or something, you know. Okay. Once you've got it, <laughs> you're gonna lose the money, cl- the club money, now, Graham. You can't say that. I, I mean, I mean, buy the ticket, the buy it, <laughs> buy it, buy it, get it at the booth. It's only ten pounds. <laughs> <Three. laughs> 
<laughs> so we'll go on to some of your questions then that we had from Gary Glenn. So we shout it to him. His first one was how should Rangers improve communication? Now, this is something that we've kind of banged on for a wee while, but Alan, he's kind of talked a bit like with injuries, contracts, etc. Where can they improve it? Other than giving us the information. <laughs> Just tell us something, you know. Uh, we obviously spoke about very few of the players who have came in or even signed extended contracts. Has it been announced how long these contracts are for? Now, you might be taking it for granted as it's quite common in the women's game. It's maybe only one-year contracts, but we're making assumptions on that because very few of the deals signed over well, since the end of the season has had a, a sort of term announced with it. You know, nothing is mentioned in pre-match or post-match or, or just build-ups about injuries. You know, we, we've had a few players out and go out injured since the start of the season. We've got no idea what the injuries are. You know, a lot of stuff, granted, we don't necessarily need to know, but most clubs would actually come out and tell you, you know, this, this player's going to be missing a couple of weeks, get a hamstring strain or whatever, but we're not getting anything. And we're not having a wider sort of press conference. It's just one person posing the questions for, for Rangers TV and YouTube and not really asking much. Yeah, it's a weird one, Car, because in the men's game, you get contract lengths, you get how much the fee is, you get who's injured, like in the press conferences and that, but in the women's game, I'd say, arguably say it's worse this season than it has. Malky would at least give some information, but Joe's given absolutely nothing. I mean, it's worrying when there's quite a few players right at the same time, you at least want to know timescales and that for when they're coming back. I think it comes down to not having a dedicated media team you know, I mean, like, specifically for the Twitter account, the, the YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff, the press conferences, all that kind of stuff. Because it is just kind of carbon copy of the men's stuff, but it's watered down. It's just, how was the game? How did you think we played? Like, was it good, basically? Rather than after a men's game, the first question Michael Beale will get asked is, how long is he going to be out for? What's the injury? What's going on? And in the press conference, the same questions. And I think it just comes down to probably lack of time. It's just kind of, they do that along with the men's stuff. And it's kind of just a side project. It's not like they're really that invested in it. The men's stuff takes precedence, which I fully understand. But I think having a dedicated team for the women's team would vastly improve the amount that could come out. And you'd probably get more people interested. Because imagine you go and try and look up stuff about the women's team and you'd you don't know we've got a Jane Ross or a Lizzie Arnett because if you've only just joined and started watching the team, you don't know that we've got them and that they're out injured and potentially won't be back till halfway through the season. And that kind of stuff should be like maybe a monthly thing. Here's how the recovery is going. They'll be back potentially in this amount of time. Just something like that, just to keep people in the know without us constantly having to be like, don't know what's going on. Same with ticketing, same with contracts, same with everything, basically. They just leave it to the last minute and be like, Oh yeah, we've got a game if you if you fancy it. Or sometimes they don't even do that with like preseason friendlies. We could have gone to it had they given us enough notice because there was people there that had obviously been on holiday there and then managed to get along. But we didn't know that until like two days before it was. Oh, there's a game on by the way in two days. We're we're playing this team, and it's just so like thrown together. It's just frustrating, isn't it? Because you just you love the team and you want to support them and follow them, but then you hit a brick wall at a point where you're like. Don't really know what's going on. Like, yeah, the games are good and we're winning. That's great, but I'd like a bit more information so that we can kind of know what what's going on. But it take time, and hopefully, we'll get to a point where we have a dedicated section for the women's team, and that'll improve it. Yeah, it was Carson. It's any information we find out when people then ask us the questions is like the players kind of tell us and that and. When the crowds eventually grow and it's like filled stadiums, we're not going to have that kind of information. So we need that to be coming through like the media team and the manager and that. And it's not going to take much more time for the media team just to ask or inform us about injuries and when the next game is and like when tickets are available. 
Ich bin auch nicht mehr gehen können. Nope. Nope, still can't hear you. Right, Alan, do you want to just answer that then? I'm screaming so these technical issues. I was it really shouldn't take take much uh to to fix it, you know. It it really I don't see why we shouldn't be trying to replicate more of the information that you would expect to get from is that a, a Michael Beal presser? The, you, you should from the build-up sort of interviews with Joe. You know, we've kind of pieced together a, a sort of list of when players might be back, when he maybe expect to see him. But, you know, what was he particularly? We've no idea, you know, what, what our setback was in the summer. And there's absolutely no sign of being ready anytime soon. So it would just be nice that the club would even tell you that she'll be out for quite a while. We don't know a sort of time scale, but at least let us know something. Right, so I'll just go to Carling since Graham's dropped off altogether. <laughs> so the next one, we kind of touched on attendances before, but another one of Gary's questions was about is Broadwood the best place for the team? Do you think it's the best place for us? No, probably not. Like I think it's probably good enough for now. I think it does a job. It's bigger than Ockin Howie was. It gets more people in the door should they wish to come. But the location of it, I just generally it doesn't feel like home. And I don't know if that's purely just down to me feeling like Ockin Howie was home because that's where, you know, we became professional there, that's where we started, that's where it all began, we won our first trophy there, that kind of thing. But I think ideally, should we get to this point, we should build our own, not stadium, but our own ground with maybe a wee stand, you know, enough room for people to stand at it, that'll fit regulations for Champions League, all that kind of stuff, and then that we can make that home. Rather than paying money to Broadwood every year for you know, the games that we're holding there, when potentially some games you're only going to get maybe 100 people through the door. Fair enough, some games you'll get a 1,000, but that's not going to be consistent. So I don't know how much they're paying. I don't know what their deal is, obviously, but I don't think Broadwood is ideal just because of the location. It's not in Glasgow, which kind of feels a bit wrong to me that we're, you know, Glasgow Rangers and we're playing outside of Glasgow. It's just a bit weird, but I guess it's the best they could do with not having people come in and out of Ockenhowie all the time and, you know, it, it made sense at the time, but I'd like potentially next season or in the next five years potentially to be somewhere else, somewhere a bit better in Glasgow, ideally. Yep, Graham, let's see if you're back. Uh, is Broadwood the best place for us, do you think? Or would you the, prefer somewhere else? Just check, can you hear me now? Yep. <laughs> right, all right, good. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's uh, sorry about that, I don't know, technical issues. Um, no, Broadwood is a good place, but um, I get it's difficult. It's a difficult location to get to in public transport. I know Croy is the nearest train station, but it's a good twenty-minute walk. But um, for in terms of be a Buchanan Street, for example, it's a good uh, hour, about forty-five minutes to an hour, just to get there. It's quite a difficult location um, to get to. But as you were saying, it'd be good to get somewhere that's a home. Even look for a stadium that's maybe, you know, got potential, that's maybe getting nobody in it. Buy it, do it up, you know, get the seats coloured blue and things like that. And do it, do like, for example, down at King's Meadow at Chelsea, start building a stadium similar to that to start with. And then who knows from there, if we outgrow that, like Chelsea are doing, great. We can move it, maybe look at a bigger stadium or maybe share an Ibrox or something like that. That could be a future thing. What's your thoughts, Alan? Obviously, you said um, before Broadwood was kind of what attracted you to come into the games because it was a bit easier for you getting to there. So, are you happy with it? Do you think there's somewhere else we could go? I'll probably say I'm happy-ish with it. You know, it's, it's far from perfect, you know, but it, it, it does have some sort of plus points and we could have a sort of long discussion, you know, you're probably looking at your, 
your options being sort of con continuing at Broadwood and, and sort of developing there, you know, going, going to Ibrox, trying to grow the crowd quicker by playing at home, if you like, you know, that that's what we all consider home. Attendances would probably grow quicker if we were at Ibrox, but it's even more soulless playing there than where a few hundred people and it is at sort of Broadwood. You know, Ockenhowie, you know, it feels like, right, I've not been to a game here, you obviously know much better than me or Greenwood, but it feels like you're playing at a training ground. I, I think you need to be away from there and, and have a home ground. You know, New Tintos, obviously a place the team's played before. It's close enough to Ibrox to have everybody sort of match their routines in terms of travel. But Broadwood might be sort of the best option out of that. Because if you to go to, say, New Tinto, it would require quite a lot of investment. Right now, well, we're sort of renting, renting Broadwood. You know, there's got to come a point where we need to be in some level of profit on that until we're actually getting a big enough crowd that the money generated by holding a game at Ibrox would outweigh what the sort of cost is to go elsewhere and hire out Broadwood. But as Graham touches on, you know, public transport's not the best. And regardless of where we play, we've got to consider that most of the games are on a Sunday, which limits your public transport options anywhere. So if, if we look for somewhere other than Broadwood, you know, that there's got to be somewhere that's going to have good public transport links seven days a week in order for us to try and grow the crowd better. But again, you touch on a great point, Graham. You know, Chelsea's got to be the the sort of marker point for make, making a, a ground at home for the women's team. Chelsea's done an absolutely brilliant job at King's Meadow because that was just a an on-league ground full of red seats until Chelsea really got hold of it. Yeah, Cam, New was mentioned quite a lot, obviously. We have been there before with the, when the under-19s, 18s have played there. It obviously needs, it's not really got a standard. It's got, it would need a lot of work done it with seats. The car park is no ideal, but it is close to Ibrox, so if people are saying they'd like to go to Ibrox for games, it's at least close enough for people getting to, but as Alan also says, it's on a Sunday, so it makes it a bit more tricky as well. So, what do you think of New Tinto is an idea? I think it is a good idea, but I'd probably start by ripping the pitch up, putting grass down, building a proper stand rather than just a weird sheltered, covered area that they've got, you know, flatten out the hill that's on the other side and maybe put some more seats in that side. I've got it all thought out, thought out already, by the way. Or the wee shop at the side, you know, it'd be fine. But that's something that would take potentially like 10 years if we're funding it. You know, like if the women's team is funding it, that potentially take probably longer than 10 years at this rate. But it's a, it is a good idea just purely because of where it is. It's so close to Ibrox that people that are so used to going to Ibrox, they can figure out how to get there because the men play on a Sunday too. So, you know, whether you organise a bus or whether you get the subway or whatever you do to get there for you know, three, four o'clock on a Sunday, you can do that. But you also then have to, the teams that play at New Tinto Park, you have to try and basically say to them, well, you need to go and find somewhere else now because this is ours now kind of thing. So take a lot of back and forth. But I don't know if the club sees the women's team as being at that point yet, and they're quite happy just to rent out wherever is you know, available and works the best for them at, at the moment. The only issue I have with Broadwood, Broadwood is the pitch. I just don't like the Astro pitch. It's, it's not even a good Astro pitch. It's, it's kind of meh. It's not great, but the players seem to be happy enough with it. Well, heard a few grumbles from some of them about it, mind, but it'll do the job for now and hopefully the club are on top of it and potentially looking at somewhere else for the the future and talking five, two to five years down the line. 
Yeah, as always, it's going to depend on success and money, Graham, but if we need to stay at Broadwood, which seems like we're going for the foreseeable until we can at least kind of pack it out a wee bit. Uh, we've kind of touched on off like this before about buses to games. Obviously, we've got one arranged for Aberdeen because it's a further away trip, but even if the club was maybe doing buses like a kind of shuttle service or something, do you think that would work to get more people in? I think um, in terms of the station, Croy, it's yeah, it's a twenty-minute walk, but from Glasgow's Queen Street, you know, that's pretty central for everybody to get to. Kind of George Square, if you head into the town, you could go from there. But then also the other aspect you guys are talking about moving and things like that. What about Champions League football? Do they have a criteria for so many, you know, a, a stadium of so much? Because I don't know if that's why Broadwood was selected in the first place last year. But then we ended up playing the Champions League game at Ibrox. But I don't know if, you know, Glasgow City's remit and things, what they're, I don't know what they hold at the moment, but would we need to take, you know, the UEFA standard, you know, we've got to have X amount of seats as well. Would that be something we need to consider? But yeah. yeah the, that, the, that is definitely something that they, that was one of the reasons we went to Broadwood was because for the, the UEFA requirements, that answers your question. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I would agree with this. The shuttle would be a great, even you know, a couple of pound return or something like that, and they can run it maybe an, an hour or two hours before the game, and maybe a couple of an hour or two after it. I think that might might help increase because Queen Street, as I said to you a minute ago, is very central for everybody to get into. Even if you get into Glasgow Central, it's what fifteen minute walk, 10, 15 minute walk from Central to Queen Street. It's quite a central location and it's only about 10 minutes on the train from Queen Street to Croy or maybe 15 minutes. It's very, you know, it's, and it runs on the Falkirk line as well. So quite might be quite handy for everybody, you know, from all sides of Scotland. If, if they're on a shuttle bus. Yeah. What do you think of that idea, Alan? Do you think that would help increase attendances? I think it would be... A great idea to at least test the water with it, you know, at least uh, look for ideas and what might encourage more people to go. You know, Rangers obviously have everybody's sort of contact details and that are registered with the ticket office and have a mem- uh, ticket office sort of number, you know, or are registered on my jails. and could easily send out a survey just a blanket survey, what would help encourage you to, to attend the, the women's games? You know, do you have an interest in it? What puts you off? And and look to maybe tackle sort of issues that are preventing people from wanting to go. Whether it's been able to get there, whether it's the times of the games, whether it's just communication of when the, the games are. Well, Carl, we do have uh, connections to a certain bus company as well, so could we maybe tap into that? I mean, you'd think it'd make sense. They do love a survey after a game, so how hard would it be to be like, send it out to all season ticket holders to start with for Rangers and just say to them, have you been to a women's game? And if they say no, why not? What's preventing you? Is it you don't like women's football? Is it too difficult for you to get to? Do the clashes with games make it too hard? Is there too many, you know, varying factors with it? You, you, whatever it might be. And then they can just like narrow it down and potentially get people in. But the thing with Rangers is they only seem to care about the big games. They don't care if there's only 40 people in for an Aberdeen game. They want the people in for the Celtic games, for the City games. That's their main priority. And I don't really understand why, because they're selling the tickets for so much cheaper to those games. So you're not making as much money as if, you know, a thousand people came to the Aberdeen game. They'd make a lot more money because everybody's paying full price for the ticket. The club work in weird and mysterious ways, and I don't really understand what they do half the time. But you'd think it'd be very easy for them to just... We'll do it one weekend. We'll just run a bus from Ibrox. So we'll run a bus from George Square or even from Croy. We'll do it from the Croy station to save people walk. And maybe that'll get more people headed over. And if that works, then you can look into doing it. 
add it on to the membership of a season ticket or something, add an extra tenner on or something to, to run the bus. It couldn't be that difficult, but they don't, just don't really seem that bothered, do they? No, but there's certainly ideas and ways that they can go. The last kind of the other thing we would like to see, Graham, so if they're watching, get their act together, is programmes at games. We've got fans coming up for England fairly regularly now, and they keep asking about, um, like, as their programmes, and we have to keep saying no, which is annoying because it surely would they take that much to get just even an eight, ten page programme that could get pre ordered or whatever, like other clubs do? No, it's not. And you could even do a, a like they're doing in the men's, a yearly subscription, I think it's a season subscription. Um, you know, because obviously we play Glasgow City and have to go through their website to get tickets when they go to their games. You can see that they've got their games, obviously I'll talk about tickets, they've got their games all booked right up to the end of the year and programmes you can buy as well. And they're doing like things where you can pick, I can't remember if it's one or two players, you can pick who wants to sign your who, who, the autograph of the player of your choice or players of your choice, uh, if you pre-order before the game, obviously. I don't know why we're not tapping into that because as you saw at Ainsley Park and you guys saw at Montrose as well, they have programmes, there is programmes there other teams are doing. I don't know why we are not doing because you know everybody likes a program and it's a collector's item as well and you know it's just part a program is part of football and I don't know why we're not doing it. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it would be an easy way to get some money into the the women's game as well if they just have a program. Kids, plenty of kids going that would want them signed. It can inform us about things that we're wanting to know. It's a way to communicate. Absolutely, it, it looks back to what we started talking about and the communication. You know, just a, a, a wee update, you know, what do you expect in any match day programme? A wee note from the manager, a, a wee sort of note from, from the captain. You know, it's good for growing interest in the league because just a, a page or two pages even on focus on, on the opposition. You know, People are new, newer to the women's game, you know, learn a wee bit. Who's the star player coming to play against us for Partick? You know, who's the one to watch coming through Dundee United, you know, when they come to play? But if Montrose are able to do it, they've just come into the league. No, not even as established as Glasgow City are, but there's, there's no excuse that Rangers can't do it. No, definitely. Can anything add to that? It's pathetic. It's pathetic that part-time two league down Rossville had programs against us, and we as Rangers Football Club cannot arrange a hundred programs for the women's team when how many thousands are printed for the men's? It's pathetic, and it just makes us look unprofessional, even though we're one, you know, one of the professional teams. It's just it's ridiculous. And as much as we keep answering the surveys and telling people at the club that come and ask us, is there anything we could do to improve it about the programmes? There's never a hint or a sniff that they're looking at doing it. That's something that they're, they're going to offer. I'll volunteer. I'll do it. I'll stand during the game and sell all the programmes. You don't need to pay me. I'll do it if you make them. Just to get them in people's hands because kids will get them signed. It gives the club a bit more kind of air of professionalism about them. And it just gets people some knowledge into them about the team. If you're just turning up to a game because your kid wants to go, it gives you a bit of a background of who's playing, where do they play, what's the kind of what's happening so far this season. Not difficult, but again, they don't want to do it. Not good, not good. Right, we're kind of pushing nearly an hour here, so I'll just give you a question each. Graham, <laughs> so your question: How do you think the new players have settled in? I think they've settled really well. It's been a shame about Michelle, um, how she's not been playing all the time. Uh, maybe she's carrying an injury, but I think Rachel and Rio and uh, and uh, just settled in really, really well. And yeah, I think the, the, the only way is up from here. Definitely. I think we have kind of touched on that quite a lot over the past few weeks, so not much more to add to that. This one probably will go out to all of you, but who from their current 
youngsters, so more like Laura Berry, Mason and that, Alan, do you think is kind of tip for the top? We've obviously had Jodie, Emma and Kirsty coming through. Who's the next one that's going to be up there with them? I think Mayor's been the standard. You know, I, I don't think I'm making any sort of wild picks there, but Mia's been excellent she, since she came into the team at the start of the season. You know, she's absolutely grabbed the opportunity with both hands while Brogan's been out injured. And she's impressed. Uh, she's she's grown in stature as the, the games have passed. As she's got the experience of playing at first-team level. You know, it's easy for youngsters to come in and take a wee bit to adapt to the physicality, but you see the difference in Jodie McCleary this season, having had so many games last season. You know, she's definitely coping much better with the physicality of first-team football this year, and Mia's on that trajectory now. You know, she's chipping in with assists. She's got five goals already this season, and... They're not generally tap-ins either. You know, she, she's she got skill, she's got the moves, she'll, her crossing's good, you know, and she know, she's got composure when she's in front of goal. What about you, Car? Who are you tipping for the top? I mean, it's very difficult because the best on earth, Laura Berry, was always going to be my number one pick, but... You know, I'd seen Mia and I'd seen how good she could be, but I didn't realise just like in such a short space of time how good she'd become. Because I don't think I really saw her that much kind of out, out in the wing, switching sides as much as she has been doing this season. But I'm always going to say Laura Berry because I think once she gets consistent game time and she's playing beside somebody that can, you know, feed her goals, I think she'll be an absolute superstar who'll end up like Emma Watson down south or like... Sam Care over in, in Europe somewhere. Gria, what about you? Uh, echo what you're saying about um, Mia and Laura as well. Uh, but I think Kayla, Kayla Jordan, I think what we've seen glimpses of her, I, th- I really do think Joe's going to shape her into a superb player. I know we're just get she just come off the bench, but I, I see a, a brilliant future for her. And I think... Once, once she gets to that point, I think she'll just be she'll be up there with Mia, definitely. Um, and I think we'll be saying Kayla is going to a big team in the future. Kayla Jordan. Good stuff. I think these are all. But well, Mia's kind of. I think she's already kind of up there with Kirsty and Jodie and that. Cause she's had a good run. Obviously, we love Laura Berry. Or Karen and I love Laura Berry. <laughs> I think. Uh, Mason's going to be the next dark horse. I predicted Car, didn't I? When we were at Oakenhay, that Kirsty McLean was going to be a dark horse. So I think Mason Clark is going to be my next dark horse. Or even maybe Ailey Austin, if she can keep scoring like she did for Scotland the other night. Because she can play in a few positions, which gives her that kind of versatility to go either up front and attack or defence. So she could be another one who can watch it for as well. So as always, we've got such a good academy, so it could be any of them, really, but it's very promising. Um, what we're going to do, give a shout-out, actually, to the Toronto Canadian Bluebells, who had commented, gave us a nice comment, subscribed, and we're also looking for a T-shirt, so I think we're going to need to get the wee elves back in their workshop and making some more T-shirts as expertly modelled by Graham this evening. So we'll oh, he's, all, he's, all, he's all let the team down. I, I did it. I've got it We've been doing this for weeks. Come on. You've been slacking. <laughs> so we'll be looking at possibly getting some of those t shirts made for other people. So, but as always, keep commenting, subscribing, doing all that good stuff. Also, a wee shout out for our FPL predictor just because I'm first in it. <laughs> Closely followed by uh, Rachel and Graham's kind of third place. Alan and Car are just in the bottom somewhere. I don't even know where Listen, they are. Listen, I'm 13th. I'm not in the bottom anymore. I'm 13th. I'm sending a search I'm, team out for Alan. I'm just being a participation award. <laughs> so I think that kind of, well, obviously, actually, we'll better kind of touch on the Hearts game next week. That's obviously, we're going to be back next week. Um, 
we play Hearts next week at the Sky Sports Cup, um, which will be good to get back to kind of normality with the women's team. Thoughts on that, Alan? Uh, after after quite a sort of busy sort of block of games at the start of the season, we've we've got a quite a short run to the next international break, and that starts with possibly one of the toughest throws we could have had in the cup away to Hearts. Hearts are obviously pushing on to improve on their standing for the fourth place finish last year. And you'd imagine they want a real shot at the cups. So going to the Orium is never. It's not been easy the last couple of years and I'd very much expect a, a tough game, especially coming off the back international break with so many players being away. We've maybe not had the same time to prepare for it, so I'd expect a very competitive game. I wouldn't expect we'll see many changes to, to the team, although I do expect that Brogan Hay might, might be back involved. Although I'd be very, very surprised if she comes straight back in and, and starts. Well, I think she might come back in if there's been, like, Mia's been away, Megan's been away, so would be interesting to see, but it'll be good to get her back, Car. What do you think? Uh, we've obviously got to kind of retain this trophy. It's our trophy, then, eh? Uh, I think it's going to be difficult, but I think with, you know, potentially Rachel Roll back, I think she adds a little bit of more kind of spiciness to the team in terms of physicality, and you know, Brogan probably will come back in, but just hopefully not for the full 90 minutes just to give you know kind of bleed her in a little bit rather than just like throwing her head first into it but she loves the challenge that's broken and i'm sure she's raring to get back because i can't imagine being out for this length of time when you've been here for over five years it's good for anybody's kind of mental side of things but i think it'll be difficult but i'm just hoping that we'll be able to whether we squeak over the line or whether we batter them by six i just hope we can get through it but the main aim this season is win the league. So if we go out of both cups, but we win the league, I'll be all right with it. But obviously, at this point, I want them to go and win anything, everything. Sorry. Maybe you kick you off. That's usually a good travel. What's happened? <laughs> Got Graham, what do you think of for next week? Glad to get back to because you've missed a couple of the away trips. So you're good, glad to get back into it. No, it's, it's, you, you do miss the domestic football, you know, as much as internationals are great. Um, I don't know, you can't beat the domestic. But yeah, I look forward to it, especially when we saw the video the other day with Cathy and Rio in the car. And Cathy is just really passionate about, the, you know, the League Cup to Rio. And and you could tell Rio, she's, you know, up for it, the up for the Cup as well. And, you know, like, let's, let's keep our trophy. And Rio was what I know about, what was it like winning the Cup and stuff like that. So... I'm hoping that's, you know, you real might just go out there and get the winning goal <laughs> for us. But I, I think it's it's great to get back in the spit, but it will be. It's not going to be easy as as Alan and yourself touched on, but uh, Carl. But I think with the right attitude, I think we'll see it over the line. But it'll be very very narrow, a very narrow win. So we'll stick with you then. What's your score prediction? One 0 Rangers, Rio. Don't know if my heart could take that. Cash? 3 1. Um, ah, obviously. You're being um, negative, so I don't know. Sorry, I'm to... going to Rangers. Um, Brogan Hay will score the first goal. Nice. Alan? 4 1. I'd expect Rio to carry on a form and score a couple of goals. I'll take that. Well, we're always concerned that we kind of keep the doors shut at the back. Oh, I'm going to go 2-1 Rangers with Megan Bell scoring our first goal. Hopefully. We're all going for a win, so hopefully we're at least all right on that. Yeah. The score predictor, on touch of that, will be back. Oh, will it be back? No, it won't be back. No, it won't be back for that. Oh, we're not doing it for the cup, are we? No. I'll, I'll return next Monday. Or we'll put the post up for the the league games on on the weekend in the the 7th and 8th. I think all the games are on the Sunday that week, so oh, we, we've got a 4 o'clock kick-off at Hamilton that we'll, we'll look forward to after the Hearts game. And then only two more games before the next international break after that. Oh, plenty of football. So, 
Hearts tickets are on sale, obviously, via Hearts. It's a three o'clock kickoff next Sunday at the Orium. Before that, we've got the Scotland game at Hamden, a quarter to eight kickoff. Tickets are also on sale for that, so get a lot of both. Women's football was great, and I think that's us. So thanks to Alan, Carr, and Graham for joining me this evening. Thanks, Laura. Enjoyed that. And we'll see you next time.